is there a little bit of Godzilla in all of us? We'll be asking that tonight on the Awesome Cast. folks and welcome back to the awesome cast your podcast for everything awesome i'm basil and i'm doug i'm kevin and that's us and boy how do we have a mammoth of a podcast of all sorts of things that we'll be talking about which will conclude with lots of talk about godzilla i mean obviously would you say we have a monster of a podcast we might might. i I would have said kaiju of a podcast (laughs) i mean if we're going to Proper vernacular, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a category five kaiju of an awesome cast. Uh, that's probably more of a category four. I mean, Pacific Rim was definitely a category yeah, five of an awesome cast. This is, well, we got a lot to talk about. First off, we are the awesome cast, your podcast for awesome things like TV shows, movies, mostly anime, but this time we'll be talking about an American movie, even though it's. American movie based on a Japanese movie monster character. <laughs> but lots of things, and we talk about it, and theoretically you listen to it. Awesome, thank you very much for doing that. Or your bots are listening to it, in which case, thank you, bots. <laughs> you give us inflated senses of scale. We Yay. don't mind that. You can, of course, find us at awesomegas.com, O-S-M-C-A-S-T, and leave us comments in the comment section. Let, let us know that you are real humans. Or send us emails, awesomecast at gmail.com. Of course, all complaints, podcast at chainsawbuffet.com. They can take all the complaints. There are the official Awesomecast complaints department. Of course, they're at Molocon right now, so they may not get to them until later, but they'll, they'll get to them, I promise you. They'll read them. And they'll probably read them on their podcast. And, of course, we're on Twitter at awesomecast. Tumblr.awesomecast, Facebook.awesomecast. You can find myself, Basil, at Basil, it's Basil Time on Twitter, and Kevin is twitless underscore Kevin. There's also still the awesome line, whatever number it is, it's on the website. <laughs> if anyone ever wants to call, we'll throw the call on the air. Sure, if we ever get one. I think we still have one. But, anyways, speaking of things we're on. By the time the next episode airs, it will be after Hamacon. Wow. Yeah, Hamacon for us is like in two weeks. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming very, very fast, and I still have so much photoshopping to do. (laughs) Oh, God, I gotta hit the mines. Hit the mines fast, hit the mines hard, and I've also gotta make some panels. Yeah, I gotta do one of those too, which is actually pretty related to our subject tonight, but uh, that's... <laughs> it, it is, it is, and we'll get to it. Like, here's, I'm actually just going to look at the schedule, and I might be doing more, it's quite possible. You um, never know, we might the day of the con find out you're doing more. <laughs> it has happened before. For example, I'm hosting opening, and the reason why we don't actually ever review Hamacon is that I'm one of the directors. We are too close. You know... 
Kevin and Doug are, you know, Ke- you know they, they go to the staff meetings. They're technically, you know, listed as staff. And frankly, Hamacon is the closest thing there is to awesome cast the con as, as you can get that we can pull off. Well, we're heavily involved. We staff. We do panels. You are one of the directors. It, it's good fun. We recommend it heavily, but it's a little... Un, we're not really unbiased about it. <laughs> we think it's great and amazing, and that probably and that makes, you should come to yes. it. That doesn't make for a good podcast. <laughs> like, for example, on Friday, and this is the stuff that we're doing. Okay, on Friday at two p.m., Kevin is starting off with a totally tokusatsu panel. Yes, which. Uh... I don't see how I can avoid talking about Godzilla. Um, I could try, but it'd be pointless. And then I host opening ceremonies. Like, that's almost, like, immediately afterwards. It is immediately afterwards. Immediately after that is my Getting Your Anime Groove Pack (laughs) panel. Immediately after that is, which, Getting Your Anime Groove Pack is my panel where I think of certain animes that if you're out of anime, this might get you back into anime. Or if you're in anime looking for something different, this might actually also do that as well, and this year is going to be very space-oriented, because it's a space-themed convention, so I'm going to start off with, you spoiler alert, Gundam Build Fighters. Because <laughs> um, it starts off in space. Starts. Does it. <laughs> but then I go, immediately after that, I, I hop into another panel room for what I call Anime and Manga in the Digital Age, which is how you can find anime and manga digitally, legally. Then... I think I'm safe for a little bit until I'm doing my boys to men shonen and seinen <laughs> panel. While at that same time, in two different areas of the con, Doug is doing a sake tasting panel. Yep. We're going to be tasting sake. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, like, I just finalized the sake list today and. There's going to be a bunch of really good sake there. Uh, the sake list, as I was going through it this time, what was available to me, mm-hmm. I noticed, like, last year I was surprised that there were a couple of really phenomenal sake on there. And this year there's not any phenomenal ones on there, but they're all really good. It, like, they're all, like, above average. So it's, it's still going to be a bunch of really good sake. And I picked out the best of each type. And... Shortly after that, at 10 p.m., I'm doing the Pain Train, yep. which is my anime hell-inspired thing. And so that's what? One, looking at our opening ceremony still, two, three, four, five, six panels? Yep. You know, just on Friday that we're doing? Yep. On Saturday, I'm just going right through here. I am... Um, wow, I'm not doing anything yet. Uh, I might be... I might be somewhat involved with um, Extra Innings... Because that's a that's a, that's a Drew panel yeah. from Seishun, and I'll yeah. probably end up popping on that. I just have the one real panel, so I assume I'll be following Basil around. And <laughs> yeah, I assumed that time. was going to be your your minion and oh, yeah. running about and getting what you needed. Along. I want to be Basil's minion. Eh, we can He's both. probably going to need both. Yeah, and there's going to be times when we are both needed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see, like, well, I'm not in that. I'm not in that. Oh wow. I've got time to actually, like, maybe rest and maybe eat something food. Like, uh, uh there we go. My, uh, the state in the anime and manga roundtable. That's totally a thing that I'll be doing. And I, I think that's it for Saturday. Wow. 
Saturday, I am not really doing anything. Well, you're going to be keeping the con awesome. Oh, well, yeah. that's true. Well, I'll, no, I'm sorry. Also, I am doing, uh, at noon, uh, Lady Times, Shoujo and Jose. Oh. There, there is that one. <laughs> I have the companion panel to your Boys to Men panel. And then we are doing an anime Q&A on Sunday. All Which, three of us? Probably. That's just okay. a general... Yes, it's a ask us questions, we give them answers. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah you probably want me on that. I um, I know more stupid, obscure facts than most people should. And then I'm finishing up my... I'm Before the anime, the show is... The, the con is over. The last panel of the thing is my manga... Holy crap, my manga panel is the last panel of the con. And I mean... The last. This panel of the con. Everything else is closed. Except for my manga panel. Wow. Before closing ceremonies. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't realize that. And I've been looking at the schedule the whole time. Well, wow. But there's also other good panels that you could go to. Yeah, I remember I remember Adam saying a bunch about all the great panel submissions he got. Like, you know, Paul Chapman is going to be there. And he's doing his Tears of the Robots on Friday, which sounds really cool. Um, of yeah, course, we got that. Ian Sinclair, Micah Solisad. Ian Sinclair was the voice of Space Dandy. Yes. Micah was the, um, was, uh, oh, what's his name? B? Soul Eater? Well, no, B. Oh. From B Space, Space Dandy. Dandy. He is also Soul Eater. He has a Soul Eater. Uh, a guy, uh, I forget, I'm blanking on his name, but he actually does the case listen to the podcast. He's doing a Kill a Kill panel. Oh, trigger, the trigger warning one? Yeah. I like that title. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's... There is good stuff. You know, there's a 10 years, 10 animes, the 1990s Oh, that sounds panel. interesting. Um, there's also the Wild Worlds of uh, Masaki Yusa. Like, we, we, there's, oh, there's so much good stuff at this con. Like, I am really, uh, there's a, this panel is bad, you should skip it panel. What? It's Adam's panel. Like, it's, 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 it's he's going to stay, he's going to be there for uh, no express reason. He's just going to be there. <laughs> like it says, you know, perhaps if you pressure him, he might tell you some things he hates. <laughs> like there is some excellent, excellent things. I know Paul Chapman's also doing like a, a fantasy and anime thing that, you know, it's, he's got, he's doing a cyberpunk panel. There is good stuff. We've got a good, uh, we've got a Toriko panel. Yes, Toriko. Like there's a lot of good stuff. There is, you know. So that's your... That's your Hamacon podcast. <laughs> you know. Well, also, John from Chainsaw, he's doing, um, he's doing, um, awesome anime that time forgot, which is, that like, stuff, cool. which is stuff that, you know, is, like, things he points out, like, Ava's currently no longer an active, like, you know, publication circulation. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. He's also doing, you know, the top, you know, video game anime and worst of the video game anime, really, because there's Street Fighter, the movie, and then it goes downhill from there. <laughs> um. If that's mostly true. <laughs> Yeah, so there's there is good stuff. Like, yeah, I, I'm getting really, really hyped for this Hamacon, and not just because I'm its director of Awesome, but it helps. <laughs> so that's Hamacon. You should go if you're in town in Huntsville, Alabama. A lot of people are probably gonna be an anime next. AWO, Reverse Thieves, Ninja Consultants. In their defense, like half of them live in New York, so that's yeah. the reason why they go to a New Jersey yeah, convention. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. But you know, but come, doesn't mean I can't call them out. 
Come to Hamacon in Huntsville, Alabama. We're so much better than the rest of Alabama. It's amazing. That's... <laughs> well... It's true. <laughs> I I wanted to try to dispute it, but as I was born here and grew up here, I, I can't. I, I've got some home pride. I mean, there are other nice places in Alabama, but Huntsville is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have very specific needs. <laughs> so there you go. But now... There's something else that we, you know, I think we alluded to this in the last, in the, in the Flamenco podcast, that there is a game that has partially taken over our lives. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just enough that I accidentally made Kevin really mad at me one day. Yeah, this enough that I... I felt really bad about it. This enough <laughs> that, I ac- that I kind of sort of rage quit and still came back afterwards. Uh. Yeah. And that is... Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. Not to be confused with Final Fantasy XIV, this MMO sucks. Which was what it was before they reborned it. <laughs> but now it's reborned. And it's really good. So here's your Final Fantasy XIV minute. This is going to be a minute like Zoro knows how to go from right to left. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes me happy inside. You know, when the bomb timer tells you you have a minute left, yet somehow you get in 15 minutes of dialogue. You know, it's, it's that kind of minute. Like, what's funny is just due to the... We recorded Samuel Flamingo. We actually recorded that one pretty far back ago as far as Awesome Cast Time Now is concerned. Yes. I had really started playing Final Fantasy fourteen yet. But we'd only all played for like a week. Yeah. Maybe two at that point. You know, at this point, you know, Doug and I are both now level 50 characters. We've now done a whole lot of the game. I have not yet done any of the eight-man dungeons, but I've done a bunch of the four-mans. And the most important thing is to point out is that, A, we're on the Leviathan server, and if you decide to play, B, let us know. Yeah, we've got a free company and everything set up. Uh, even if you don't want to join our free company, uh, we have a... Link shell. Yeah, we have a link shell set, set up so you can still chat with us and we you can use us as a resource to quest with you. And But, you know, you should join our free company because we're going to buy a house. Yeah, it's going to be cool. pretty freaking sweet. It's going to be a house. <laughs> Other people need to donate money to it because if I have to buy it, I'll buy my lonesome. I'm going to buy whatever house I want. <laughs> like, and folks, that message... Is sent to me. <laughs> As I say, received. looking straight at the quote unquote guild master. Yeah. I uh, am the all father. Thank you very much. I tossed and in what I technically, had. Technically, they're not actually called guilds in this game. They're called free companies. But it is so hard not to call them guilds because everyone else calls them guilds. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what that's what everyone calls everything else in yeah. those guilds. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's either guilds or clans, but majority is guilds. But this is free companies because it makes sense within the lore of the. Yeah, but it's still thing. it's a bunch of like-minded weirdos who banded together to do stuff. Like, uh-huh. I'm trying. I'm trying to gather all my Final Fantasy 14 thoughts to give like a, a decent review of it. Okay. Uh, Final Fantasy 14: A Realm Reborn. It plays very similar to World of Warcraft, but it has the distinct advantage of having come after World of Warcraft, if that makes any sense. It's Uh, true. 
it really is like they sat down and they really hammered out what Blizzard did that really, really worked. And what Blizzard did that really, really didn't work. And they've kind of set up their own... And they kind of, and they kind of went from there. They make their own mistakes along the way. But for the most part, a lot of it is really good and it's really streamlined. Um, for example, one thing, you there's no reason to have alt characters unless you want just want to have a character on a different server. Because with every character, you can change your job class on that character. So if you if you like I initially rolled uh I initially rolled a thaumaturge. I did not mean to play a DPS class. I meant to play a healer class. So I just couldn't tell from the descriptions which one was the healer class. So I just took a shot in the dark and went with Thaumaturge. And I was not happy with it. I didn't really like it. I wanted to be a healer. But I didn't have to completely roll a new character. All I had to do was just go and talk to the guild of conjurers and say, Hey, I want to be a conjurer now. And, yeah, do a little quest, and yeah, you'll be a conjurer. It'll be fun. Yeah, and <laughs> and now if I want to switch switch back over to being a black mage, I haven't lost any of my progress. I can still just equip all my black mage stuff, and now I'm a black mage. Yeah, pretty much as soon so as technically you're just a thaumaturge, as you have to get to level thirty. Shut up, Basil. And you're, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much the first thing I did when I got access to the rest of the world was learn every class. Yeah. I accidentally did all the classes. You and Barry did the same thing. Uh, in, in World of Warcraft, Barry had eight different alts all on the same server just because he really likes the crafting skills and the crafting classes. And he really likes going out and finding, like, ore and stuff and making a ring out of it. Uh and, it, and in order to do all of that in, in World of Warcraft, you know, from the ground up and not have to go to the auction house for anything, you had to have eight different characters. In this, you could theoretically do it all yourself. There is still an auction house, so you don't have to do it all yourself. Yeah, so if a you lot just, of that 70,000 gil I tossed into the house fund was me making money off stuff I made. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I I have just focused on botany. Like, that's... Botany's the going out and gathering herbs and stuff. I focused on botany and fishing, and I'm having a great time with that. I mean, you get to where you can make any of like the third, well, tier. I don't know, like how they're kind of divided up in levels. Any of that, almost it seems like almost any of that mm-hmm. third rank of craftable items sells pretty well. Yeah, uh, they did do a really good job balancing. They actually did do a really good job balancing all the item craft supplies so that everybody kind of needs some stuff from every other class. Yeah. So if you so if you are focusing on one trade craft skill, there's a way to make money. There there's a way to make money no matter what you're doing. Like even if you're even if you don't decide not to pick up the crafting at all and you're just going out hunting stuff down, you can still put that you can still put the rare items you find up. Yeah, I mean, and the get game... money to buy stuff that the people who are wanting to dedicate the time to learn yeah. how to craft it. The game's quests seem to throw new equipment at you about every five levels or so, but you might not. You you might have to shop around a little to fill out your whole gear set. Well, it becomes more difficult. Uh, you know, and like you I've know I've gotten my white mage up to fifty, mm-hmm. so now I want to start working on another little class to complement it. And I suddenly realized that I ended up converting all of my gear into materia pretty much as soon as I was done with it. So now I have no gear from level 1 to level 50. So I need to... 
and, and I did all the quests when I was a white mage, so now I've... Yeah, now you have to go shopping for... <laughs> well, yeah, but the thing is, if you're a weaver, and it's for more m- magic stuff... Yeah. You can just weave up some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, and, and, and weaving is the one of the easier... Yeah, it's one of the easier trades to take up. Because it just takes time. There has been times that I have... Well, even, even... There are so many people who have taken up weaving that even needing to get stuff from the auction house isn't that expensive. And the bright side is that there's always a staple of people needing gear because mm-hmm. of this. That if you need to make a little bit of extra money like to pay for your iron ingots or whatever, or whatever crafting supply you need to put into it, you can put it on the auction house and make your money back. It's very... Like I said, to begin with, it's very well balanced. It's almost surprising how well balanced it is. Considering they made this in like two years. And, and of course, we've also came in after they've done a few pretty substantial patches. Yeah, that's For true. For example, the whole jobs thing was a, in a patch. Yeah. So they have def- definitely, you know. Yeah. But I think that's a good stopping point for now. Because we'll be back yeah. next time. Oh, yeah. With even more for your Final Fantasy 14 Minute. So, that was Final Fantasy XIV, and like I said, there's plenty more to talk about it. I mean, theoretically, we probably have enough to talk about to actually do a full-fledged awesome cast. We could just potentially become a, a Final Fantasy XIV podcast if we really wanted to. But we don't. I don't think my there's other things in our life. Hold. I don't think my interest will hold long enough. I okay. Know, and we want to keep Kevin around. But I do think... <laughs> There is enough, definitely, for a recurring segment. Yeah. Oh, it, it's fine. Because we haven't even got, gone into dungeons. So, in other things, and, like, cross-class skills, and... Yeah. You know, or even, you know, stuff that we've done, like, you know, once we beat the game, quote-unquote, and there's know. more after stuff, but... Or murdering squirrels, because you gotta do that. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's all almost, all almost require murdering squirrels. They should. They, they die, and <laughs> for good cause. Other good causes... Moments of Awesome. It's a moment of awesome. Alright, good after hitting his mark. What's your moment of awesome? I don't know. There's stuff out there that's awesome. It's pretty cool. Wait, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> uh, Transistor. That just came out Tuesday, right? Yes, well, with Supergiant Games? Future. Yeah, Supergiant Games. People did Bastion. Um, it's an action RPG. Uh, sort of? Sort of, with a little bit of puzzle element. <laughs> well, it's, okay, it's by Supergiant Games, the guys who made Bastion, yes. And the and graphically, it's very similar, it's got that drawn, but yet sprite look to it. Like, it's, it, it's very much, it looks like if you took like a, um, what if you did an actual... 16-bit game, but it was actually using modern like levels of fidelity for graphics. So things move like sprites, but they look like hand-drawn art. And it's an isometric thing, you know, much like, you know, Final Fantasy or like Secret of Mana. Um, or also like the new Shadowrun game, Shadowrun Returns. Yeah. And it's got this sort of modern cyberpunk you know, but like Art Deco aesthetic. Yeah, it's kind of got a I don't know cyber fantastic. Maybe I might even call it because um, it 
the the enemies and weaponry are kind of robotic, but it seems almost magical. Is it a look at yesterday's future? Today. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> but yeah, kind of. Look at yesterday's future today. <laughs> but you, um, you pull a magic technological sword out of your dead friend and try to figure out what the hell is actually going on. And boy, the game is obtuse. Much like Bastion. Yes. It sort of literally starts. And it'll tell you what's going on eventually. It, it, you'll, you'll get there. It helps if you read the little text logs you find and listen to your talking sword tell you things. <laughs> and But the action is... It is real time in that, you know, you can... And it comes up, whack your sword. And it comes up, whack your sword. Or you can pause the game and set up your actions in advance. Yeah, you can have pre freeze time and set up your movement and action so that you might do multiple things in sequence. And then you let it go and you just do it. But then there's a recharge time before you can use any of your abilities again. Um, and both ways have their ups and downs. Kind of depends on what you're fighting and what abilities you have equipped. And you have like four slots that correspond to your buttons, your main buttons, to map an ability to. And also as you go on, you unlock slots to map passive abilities or augmenting abilities. And so each ability you learn does something on its own, does something different when paired as an augment with another ability, and does something yet different again when set as a passive ability. As you And that makes the interesting part of the game for me, is mixing and matching and seeing what I can get it to do. Because some combinations are way better than others. <laughs> I bet. And but every power is useful in its own way. I don't know if that was one of the cool things about Dragon Quest three, mixing all the dragon genomes to see what kind of dragon you ended up with. Breath of Fire? Maybe? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Well, they both got dragons, you're killing dragons. They both got dragons. There's some kind of questing involved. There's some sort of <laughs> dragon questing thing going on. You may or may not fight God at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler, Dragon Quest 3, you fight God at the end. Breath of Fire. Well, actually, maybe you do it in Dragon Quest 3. I don't remember. But Breath of Fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do it at the end of Breath of Fire. Of course, JRPG spoiler, at the end you might fight God. <laughs> it's, it's a distinct possibility. You may or may not stand tall and shake the heavens. This is It's possible. This is a general spoil for all JRPGs ever. You may... Possibly fight God at the end. <laughs> God may or may not be a douchebag. I recall at least one Dragon Quest where God is a super secret bonus boss, but he's a cool guy. He just thinks it'd be fun to fight you a little. <laughs> yeah, that is one Dragon Quest, isn't it? <laughs> Alright, Doug, you ready for the moment of awesome? or? Well, yes and no. The problem I have with my moment of awesome is actually that I have had too many moments of awesome since we last recorded to possibly keep track. Uh, Barry and I went to Las Vegas. That was cool. Las Vegas is pretty cool. Um, so I guess I can talk about Las Vegas as my moment of awesome for a little bit. Alright. So, when I first got to Las Vegas, I was very surprised by the state of Las Vegas. It was not what I was expecting based off all the movies and TV I had seen. But that, as it turned out, was because I was on the Vegas Strip which is one of the big roads in Vegas. Mm. Later on, Barry took me to uh, the traditional Vegas 
like the more traditional Vegas, you know, where the big light up cowboy is. Right. That was more what I was expecting out of Vegas, and that's where I actually won money. <laughs> I won two dollars on a penny slot machine. Yeah. Yeah. And then my first dollar went to tipping an Elvis impersonator that was performing in the street. My second dollar that I won, my hard-earned winnings, they went to uh, they went to tipping a band of electric cello players. That was I didn't know there were electric cello bands, but they are apparently a thing that exists, and they were awesome. I was also really interested to find out that. Uh, I was really interested to find out that Las Vegas is actually pretty happening in the craft brewing scene. I shouldn't have been surprised that Las Vegas was into craft brewing. No, probably not. (laughs) I I really shouldn't have been surprised, but, like, I ate at three separate breweries while I was there. And they were all really good, but the one I I really want to mention, uh, Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Mm. I even bought the keychain for them so I'd remember their names. Ah, but they were really, really good. They had a jalapeno hefeweizen. That sounds terrible. <laughs> no. It was amazing. It was. Because it wasn't really spicy, but it still had all the good flavor. Mm-hmm. So it, it was good. Um, and that actually wasn't even my favorite. My favorite was their red. They had a red ale that was just amazing but i really like reds mm-hmm. i'm i'm sad i can't remember the name of the other brewing place that i had because you would have really liked you basil would have really liked their uh they had this coffee dark mm-hmm. it tasted both like dark co- like black coffee mm-hmm. and like and like a really strong stout mm-hmm. you would have loved it uh, it sounds it like but I can't remember their names. <laughs> Vegas. So Vegas was fun. Uh, the thing about the Strip is that the Strip, every single casino was sort of like a little resort in and of itself. So it was a little bit like walking through uh, MGM and Disney World. In Disney. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, it's, they're both magical lands that they wanted to take you for all your money. Yeah, they, they do. And just like Disney World, they, in Vegas you can get anything you want. It just costs money. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> just like Disney World. Just like Disney World. Like, whatever dream, magical dream you have, it's there. I'd like Princess Jasmine to come back to my room tonight. <laughs> well, okay, so maybe Disney doesn't have that kind of dream. I bet Vegas does. <laughs> I bet Vegas does, though. But, like, and, uh, let's see, we saw the Tournament of Kings, and that was a lot of fun. We cheered for Norway really hard. He still didn't win, but we still cheered really hard for Norway. Uh, when I bought the tickets and I said, I want to sit in the Norway section, the guy looked a little surprised that I wanted to sit in Norway so bad, but he didn't ask, and he just booked me for there. Norway! (laughs) But, you know... Some of us like Norway, Basil. Yeah, some of us. Godless heathens, but, you know, whatever. But... All complaints. So one one casino is like ancient Egypt and a pyramid. One casino is like Camelot and King Arthur. One casino is like Paris. One casino has a bunch of flamingos in it. And it's really kind of amazing how everywhere in, in the Las Vegas Strip is really trying to be somewhere else in the world. 
<laughs> like, like well, would you the... want to be the hotel that emphasizes you're in Las Vegas when you're? Well, actually, I think well, of you're anywhere. in Nevada. If, of any of them, I think there was one that was like that. Uh, I think the Flamingo was a little bit like that, and it was actually pretty nice. Well, I liked it. But... Disney is the Hall of Presidents. Vegas has the Palace of Caesar. Uh... Yeah, Caesar's <laughs> Palace. Pretend... Caesar's Palace was also like not really the gambling floor but the shopping mall was really they had this staircase that was an escalator but it was spiraled it blew my mind spiral escalator like as we were walking down uh you know everything cost money in vegas and so we were talking about all the things that we kind of wanted to do but we'd already been there for a week and so we were kind of spent and I saw the spiral escalator. I'm like, Barry, let's go do that. Let's ride the spiral escalator. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little sad and a little awesome. Well, that works for me. But uh, let's see. Other moments of awesome. Uh, My little sister is having another baby. And we thought it was going to be a girl. It's actually going to be a boy. Happens. That's awesome. (laughs) That she's having a, another child. Uh, let's see. Man, it's just been so long. Bunches of awesome stuff happened. Well, that's cool. There's more than one awesome cast in the future. Yeah, I'll have to backdate some of those moments of awesome. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I can at least do an easy two. First is, the thing I'm recording on now. I've got this new fancy-fangled tablet PC... It is the Microsoft Surface Pro 2. It is it is very nice. Even though they just announced the Surface Pro 3, that's fine. I don't care. Mako's good with me. Well, I named it Mako. I mean, because it's got the blue type cover, so it's the same color as a uniform. And she's always there for me. <laughs> even if she might be a little wild and crazy and go on weird monologues, I'm not expecting it to. Yeah. But she's always there for you. Yes, and always in my corner. It's honestly, it's a good laptop, tablet thing, and I use it for both. Like, I have discovered, sadly, while the Vita now does have Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. it's, the app isn't the best in the world. Like, it's, like, right by your router. It works really well, but just, like, a room or two away, even though I have a really nice router, it doesn't quite connect to actually let me watch the anime. It doesn't buffer right. Yeah. Now, Netflix works just fine. So it's clearly a situation of just that app is not right. set up to handle mm. the buffering. But I can just, you know, but when I'm watching right before I go to bed, I, use, I have a sleep machine. So I was waiting for that thing to dry after cleaning it. I usually watch an episode of a show. Yeah. Or like an anime or what have you. But now I just, you know, I rip off the, uh, the, t- the touchpad, pad cover for it, use it as a tablet. Speakers are nice and loud. Mm-hmm. But it also runs panels fine. I can now run red light in actual full 1080p, no no slowdown whatsoever. The actual real test is, can I run red light in 1080p? Can I run 10-bit stuff in 1080p? And can I run the newer remake of Space Battleship Yamato <laughs> in 1080p? 1080p? Can I do that? Yes. Which means that this, this tablet, you know, PC thing... Or on anything I want it to do, as far as panels go. And it even plays Final Fantasy XIV. It runs it in 720p, 
and all the settings are dialed down, but it does it. <laughs> it does it, and I can play, and I can even go through dungeons and be successful. That's good. That's good. So I was I was down with that. And then my second then moment of awesome is another video game, Kirby Triple Deluxe, Ooh. on the Nintendo 3D Entertainment System. Oh, Kirby, you hellspawn, you cute little pink hellspawn. Oh, uh, this one is is great because some random bad guy has now captured King DDD, and Kirby is like, "No, fuck you." I'm going to go follow you and be a whirlwind devastation of suction destruction. Only I may torment King DDD. <laughs> and this one is really fun. Like, Kirby tends to be fun, but this one's really fun. Because it's all in those movesets. And, th- and, like, lately, Kirby games, at least as far as I can tell, has been like, if you get in the, you, you suck an enemy, you get an ability. Yeah. Well, this one, it's more like you get an, you get a moveset based, down or based around an ability. Oh, like, cool. you know, there's a couple of ones that are just, like, you do one thing, and that's really its thing. But there is a lot, like, you know, rock is still just a rock. Yes, that's the but, point of... But, like, for example, a lot of them, you know, there is a just a regular attack, an up attack, a jump and hit down attack, a moving forward attack, you know, you, you double tap to dash and then you can do another attack. Yeah. Like, there's actual move sets. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And like you know, and they're all different. Like one's got a spear, one's you're a ninja, one's you know you're wielding leaves, one you're wielding a hammer, another one you're wielding a bell, one you're a circus clown, you're doing circus tricks. Well, I've always enjoyed Kirby games on handheld on handheld devices. Anyway, the few times I've played Kirby games on not handheld devices, I've not enjoyed those quite as much. But I've always enjoyed them on handheld devices. Like, there's something, like, really actually kind of relaxing about a Kirby game. Well, and this one, it's obviously, this has been rumored in development for a while. Yeah. And it looks it in a good way. Yeah. Like, this is definitely Nintendo took their time. Because the game looks super pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, the 3D is actually really, really well done. It does the thing where you're constantly jumping between foreground and background. And so there's a lot of really neat levels where suddenly you might be, um, like, for example, I might be on equivalent of a conveyor belt, where you're constantly moving forward. And there's actually an enemy in the background, and they're firing, like, bricks or, like, fireballs at you. And those things are destroying stuff, even in the foreground, but it's in the background. Yeah. Next thing you know, you hop on a warp star, it warps you into the, further into the background. And so suddenly it turns around, now it's firing the opposite direction still towards you. And so you're constantly going back and forth. They do a lot of really good, like, multiple, you know, depth levels yeah. of gameplay. It's a lot of fun. And it's one of the... Um, it's a good Kirby game in that just getting from point A to point B, it's not super easy, but the real fun is exploring all the environments and finding all the little secrets. Yeah. And also because all the move sets are all super fun to play with. Yeah. And it's varied enough. There's actually a mode called Kirby Fighters, which is pretty much a Kirby-only fighting game. <laughs> where you just, put, you just pick a move set and you fight each other. You fight each other as the various different Kirbys. <laughs> um, and they just threw that in there because it's so varied. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Coming soon, Dynasty Warrior Kirby. <laughs> like, as much as I love Yoshi's Island, I've honestly been having way more fun with the new Kirby game. 
than I have within a Yoshi's Island game. But that said, we're pretty far into this episode, and we have yet to get to our actual topic conversation. So how about we take a break, and we'll come back... With a moment of fuck you. Maybe two. Oh, yeah. There is a couple of moments of fuck you. But that's all right. We'll do that. We're going to take a short break. We're going to bat. We're going to fuck shit up. And then we'll talk about a movie all about... Fucking shit up. Fucking shit up. <laughs> this is the awesome cast. Fuck women. Fuck dying. Fuck laughing. Fuck trying. Fuck cursing. But mostly fuck you. Fuck love, hate, and friends. Fuck following trends. Fuck this song. Can't wait till it ends. Fuck everything. But fuck you the most. Fuck everyone. But fuck you the most. With a big rusty pole or a splintering post. Yeah, fuck you the most. Fuck you. Old school, fuck new school, fuck not cool, fuck you cool, fuck him, man, ironically lame. Fuck him, man, You wanted it, or maybe you didn't. We really don't know. Well, we certainly didn't. This is our moment of fuck you. Because, hey, fuck you. So, Kevin, I believe you wanted to start? Well, yes, because I think I've mentioned a couple times uh, a game, Conception 2, where, you know, you hold hands and think of Jesus and make star children. Yeah, it actually had made it into your moment of awesome. Yeah, like, what I love about the game, I love the dungeon crawling. I love the party building. I I like the actual, what for me would be the game, but for them is almost the afterthought. They think I should be into wooing the girls. And this was actually a little ways back, but it's been a while since we recorded. And just one day, I was playing the game, having a good old time, and then out of the dungeon, I'm going to talk to the girls. And I'm talking to the girls, and for once I'm not fast-forwarding through it, I'm actually reading it. And I'm like, lady, lady, why do you like me? Why are you, like, mooning over me? I'm a horrible person! I'm freaking around you, seven other girls. I'm telling you all you're special, but I just want to screw you in a family-friendly way. And just to make, you know, magic babies to fight monsters in the dungeon. But I'm still just stringing you all along so I can bang you. Like, I'm a douchebag. I'm playing this game, and I'm a douchebag. Like, I don't like any of these girls. They're just, I just need them for their uteruses, for star babies. Like, I'm a horrible person. And after that, I just couldn't play the game anymore. After this realization, I just couldn't play this game anymore. It just... Oh. It was just like, ah, fuck you, game. Fuck you, me playing the game. I'm a horrible person. (laughs) Fuck you, game. Fuck you. And according to Atlas, Conception 1, which we'll never see in the U.S., was a horrible, much more horrible game. (laughs) (laughs) Like someone actually on the Atlas staff said, yeah, you're never seeing that. One, it's a PSP game. Two, it was horrible. (laughs) My moment to fuck you goes to what I affectionately call bed-shaped torture ditches. (laughs) I fucking hate bed-shaped torture ditches. Go on. (laughs) Okay, so, several years ago, when me and Barry, I think when me me and Barry were living in sin, we had gotten engaged, but we were not yet married. Scandalous. Scandalous. We went out and we got a bed together that would fit both of us so that we could sleep in the same bed together. And we, we... we shopped around in all the mattress stores, and we chose that the bed that was the most comfortable bed. I know. You heard your name. I mentioned you. I'm talking about the, the bed-shaped torture ditch. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, we shopped around for a bed. 
we laid on a bunch, trying to figure out which, which one we thought was most comfortable and everything. And, and we eventually decided on this pillow top mattress. And it was wonderful. It was just the right amount of firmness, but because of the pillow top, when you laid down in it... You know, we were so fascinated by the technology of individually wrapped coils. It was just so much better than, like, any bed we had ever been on. And we were so spoiled. Like, we would go to conventions with you guys. And we would be at the convention. We'd be laying in the hotel bed. And we'd be sitting there. And we'd go to ourselves. You know, our bed at home is just so much better. And we would be yearning for our bed back home. Let's see. But then, all of a sudden, gradually, very gradually, over the course of about three years, we... Just kind of stopped noticing that difference in hotel beds. We just kind of stopped noticing. But it wasn't until Barry went to Australia, his work sent him there, and then he came back that he first mentioned, you know, I think our bed might be might be sagging. And I thought about it, and I really thought about it. And the last convention I was at, I actually slept on a rollout sofa bed. And it was more comfortable than my bed back home. And this was my first clue. That something was amiss with our bed at home. Already, me and Barry had fallen into different sleep schedules where Barry was sleeping was sleeping at night and getting up and going to work in the day. And I was having to stay up all night because I could not go to sleep in the bed. And so I'd have to sleep briefly in the morning before getting up to do work, you know. And it just, and we were both increasingly having more and more difficulty sleeping. And so it was like this complete revelation when we, when our gaze was finally turned on the bed and we looked at it. And for the first time, we suddenly realized that it was this terrible trench downwards. And we tried like laying on the side and we noticed that, we only noticed then that we were both rolling inwards. Hence why we can't sleep in it together because there was really only one spot to sleep on. And it wasn't even really in the center of the bed. You actually had to lay kind of catty corner because. Because if you just laid in the center, you felt like you were being smothered in the taco of pillows. <laughs> and it was awful. And so Barry started get, got online, and he started researching beds. And he discovered, one, there has been a significant decrease in quality of, spring mat- of, of the steel used in spring mattresses since, uh, since, uh, in, in the past, I, I don't know, time. Right. Like, recently, there's been a decrease in quality in the steel and the springs and mattresses. So the actual steel and the springs and mattresses isn't very good. Furthermore, pillow top mattresses have the highest rating of immediate satisfaction, but then the lowest overall satisfaction. Me and Barry were both pretty fed up because we'd only had this bed for three years. Right. This bed was only three years. Um, One of the things we tried to do to adjust... Our bed shape torture ditch was we put, um, we folded up, we folded up a comforter and we put it, we put it under the mattress in the area where the ditch was. This created a ditch with a lump in the center. <laughs> Making the torture and like wickedness of this even more malicious. This maligned piece of fabric and foam feathers. <laughs> And sadly, once you knew you had it, you knew to order a new mattress, but it took a while. It took a while. It took about a week once we ordered our mattress for it to get in. 
We, we weren't actually even 100% sure that it really was the mattress. We, we thought, maybe this is all in our mind. Maybe you were just, because we've only had it for three years. Surely it can't be that terrible. And then we went to Las Vegas. And those beds were not particularly nice. And we realized, but they were still so much better than our bed. We were able to sleep, at the, go to bed at the same time, sleep in the bed together. Just fine, no problems. So we realized it was just the bed-shaped torture ditch. And then once we got back from Vegas, then it was so painfully obvious. that It's like there was something bothering me, and I never knew what it was until I realized what it was, and then I couldn't get it out of my head. But we have a new bed. We have a new bed now. Things are getting better. It's a memory foam, so we're having to learn how to sleep on a memory foam. Because that's actually different. Like, you don't, wouldn't think that you need to acquire a skill to sleep, but there's apparently a small amount of skill involved in sleeping on a foam mattress, as opposed to the, as opposed to the uh, spring mattress, where I'm used to flopping all over which way. You, you don't move as much on a memory foam. And that takes some getting used to. Oh, yeah, that would take some getting used to. Yeah, but... So we're getting better sleep. It's getting better. But I still wanted to take a moment to say... Fuck you, pillow top mattresses! You suck! Yeah. And, uh... Fuck you in particular to... I'm gonna say, just categorize it as all mattress stores. I think we bought ours from Mattress Firm. You know, we spent, like... A fa- we spent like $2,000 on our mattress three years ago. We spent $300 on the current mattress. Even if the current mattress doesn't work out, we can still burn these motherfuckers, much like we are prepared to burn the torture ditch. In fact, if anybody is listening to this podcast, if you have a place where I can set a bonfire so that I can actively burn this bed-shaped torture ditch and celebrating its destruction, please let us know. Because I really want to do that. I really hate this thing that much. Well, I don't hate what I'm about to talk about nearly as intensely. I have a burning rage. I just want to ignite the... But while we're recording... There is a con called Momocon existing at this very moment. Uh, I just got from, you know, awesome cast chainsaw correspondent Charlie Chainsaw on the field, and he's complaining to me. Are you telling me that I have to endure a con with the Nega Basil, with no Posse Basil, to cancel him out? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's what we're telling you. Sadly. Too many cons in too short of time. Like, there does exist a Nega Basil. Yeah. I've never really talked to the guy, but he looks disturbingly like me. Yep. From a distance, very easy to confuse. And I'm told other people that he knows sweet kung fu or karate moves or martial arts moves. I can't remember what it was, but they were sweet, I am told. Well, I was at some comic book store. And the guy goes, hey, you're the guy I met at the con. And I'm like, all right. Talking to him. I was like, oh, you're not that guy. I was like, what? (laughs) I was this other guy. He was like, like always the guy. You don't understand. (laughs) And now he's going to teach you some sweet kung fu moves or sweet karate moves. And I'm like, I I don't have any sweet karate moves. 
<laughs> I've moved beyond the need for such things. <laughs> I have other people to have sweet karate moves for me. <laughs> Get enough right. drinks in me. <laughs> and for further recollections, I was like, I'm the guy. The other guy's impersonating me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. screw you, doppelganger. Yeah, doppelganger. How dare for- you happen to have genetics that resulted in you looking very similar to Basil. Uh, yes. He looks so much like Basil. It's just he looks like so much like Basil, and he might be pure evil. <laughs> We're not as sure about that part. But... Well, it's really hard to tell because they both have goatees and mustaches. I know. That's what threw me. Well, like, so how do, you, how do you tell which one's the good and which one's the evil one if they both have the indicator? But I have really nice sideburns, and he doesn't. And if we're at Hamacon especially, Basil will be dressed nicer. No, that's true. That, that is true. That doesn't necessarily mean you're not the evil one. No, I'm pretty sure I'm not the I'm evil pretty sure one. Basil's no. not the evil one. Fair enough. Like, you know, Fair I, enough. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, Nego Basil. <laughs> Although Charlie does say, I don't know, man. I may have to feud with Awesome Cast for leaving me hanging like this. Look. <laughs> I can't help it that Momocon, who are filled and staffed by wonderful people... Move their con two weeks before my con, like Hamacon, not my con, as in the con that's in Mississippi. <laughs> um, Which is also a good con, I hear. Yeah, that's pretty fun. And I've got lots of work to do. I don't have time to go to two t- cons that close together with me being one of the main people in front of this con. I just can't do it. And of course. I apologize. Then, like, two weeks later, I say shit. <laughs> Well, yes, but all the work I'm doing for Hamacon can immediately just moved over to Seishun. Which is convenient. Which is convenient. But I, I would not want to do Momo Hama Seishun back to back. But Charlie then responds, plenty of blame to go around. I'm constructing a perpetual blame engine specifically to deal with the situation. You will rue the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The game is afoot, Charlie. The game is afoot. It's on. And I'll see you at Hamacon. Right. So. That's your moments of F.U. We love you, Charlie. <laughs> or do we? We yes. do. Yeah, we do. We do. We, we do. do. We Not really like do. Norway that Basil hates, but he likes you, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, you're way better than an asshole Norway. No! <laughs> Norway is so cool. And Charlie knows that Norway is cool. Ooh, Charlie, you're you're losing points here. It's true. I talked yeah. to Charlie about it. He says he likes Norway. That's I don't know how you could not like Norway, but I like bringing it up. Well, I don't funny. know. Maybe if you're a human <laughs> demon, I bet Doppelganger probably is at least ambivalent towards Norway. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's my it. point exactly. I think Doppelbasil is at least ambivalent towards Norway. How many freaking gold medals did they win? How many? All of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's something weird, but something wrong about that. Something un-American about that. There is that something is... un-American about that. It's Norwegian. Yeah. That's a problem. They need to fix that. Ah! <laughs> you know who needs to go fix that? Who needs to go take out Norway? Like he takes out all horrible monsters? Godzilla. We'll be right back.
It was the year 1998. No! Wrong Godzilla, Basil! Wrong Godzilla! <laughs> okay, well, there was a Godzilla movie that no one liked. But had an animated spin-off that was amazing. You know what pissed me off most about the 1998 Godzilla? There was a soundtrack that came out for that movie. And I... And it came out before the movie was actually out. And I bought that soundtrack. And I I loved a lot of the tracks that were on that soundtrack. And I was really excited. I was really getting hyped up because of that soundtrack. I was really looking forward to going and seeing the movie. And seeing all of these, like, scenes. Like, I was picturing them all in my head, you know, choreographing all these different, like, monster fight scenes and, like, explosions and things to this to this soundtrack. This really awesome, rocking soundtrack. And then I got to see the movie, and all of these songs that are on the soundtrack that I love so much, they were, they weren't just not in like I imagined, but they were barely in at all. Like, the main characters would pass by, like, a radio that was playing a few bars of the song before the characters moved out of range of the radio. Like, it was, like, a bunch of them weren't really in there. Like, they were in there enough to say, and it was totally in the movie, but it wasn't. It wasn't really in the movie. And that made me angry. Other than that, I've blocked it out, because it was so bad. <laughs> I don't... I don't. Do I have to be the guy to defend it? I don't think it was that horrible. I didn't love it. I certainly did not love it. I don't really... Want... I remember there saying being something about eggs in it, and that was kind of stupid. Godzilla laid eggs. Yeah. And they were like little kind of raptor-sized Godzillas that they yeah. had to reenact Jurassic Park with. That was yeah. kind of stupid. Um, I like some of the movie, though. It... Not my least like, like the part where he just breathes noxious gas that will ignite if it, something catches fire near it. Yeah, and that was his atomic breath. That's what you liked so much about no. it. That's what you thought was the best movie of all time, Kevin. No, no you hate it too. You shut up. Yeah, you all I, sh- you hate it too. It, Fast forward to 2010. Okay, this movie called Monsters came out, <laughs> and it was by this guy named Gareth Edwards, and I guess it was a film oh, that it was, was pretty good. Was it? I have never seen it. It's very atmospheric. The titular monsters, I think it's still on Netflix, are not really in it much. Like, it was a really low-budget monster movie where you got a lot... You, you got more the impression the monsters had come by or you were seeing Aftermath as opposed to actually seeing much of the monsters. Not that that has any relation to this movie, um, but... It was not bad. It was a good atmospheric film. It's not like a monster smash fest or anything. Well, since the 1998 Godzilla, you, Kevin, have shown me a few Godzilla movies. A few. You've shown me a few Godzilla movies. Uh, The one I think I remember the most actually did come out in theaters, and I think you insisted on taking me and Basil to see it. Uh, Godzilla 2000. I was still, I think... Yeah. yeah, that was Godzilla 2000, because I was still in high school, Which, I remember. A.K.A. Godzilla vs. the Big Giant Rock. Which yep. was more of a Godzilla movie than the 98 one. Well, that one was actually made in Japan, wasn't it? Yes. Like, well, and the thing is, the 98 Godzilla, Toho kept the monster, and they just called it Zilla, because America took the god out of Godzilla. <laughs> but he's in the Toho monster stable, and he did show up in the movie Godzilla Final Wars, huh. to have a big showdown with Godzilla, that they big up, they got the music going, it seems like it's to be the most epic thing ever, and Godzilla flattens him in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> to which the evil alien who's sending the monsters forth has a tantrum that's really a, just for a few seconds, and then he's like, yeah, I didn't think that was going to work. And <laughs> next monster. 
But I mentioned Gareth Edwards because apparently someone was impressed so much with monsters, they gave him the keys to Godzilla. And he was the major, you know, director who was, you know, behind this new film that we're talking about today in the year of our Lord, 2014. 2014 of the Common Era. <laughs> I don't know why I feel the need to- I don't want to start a century war. Um, <laughs> so, tell us about this Godzilla, Kevin. You are the Godzilla master here. Me? Well, like the film or the... the don't make me write Godzilla on your head. Because <laughs> we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to write Godzilla well, master on your head, but I will do it. I mean, you know, I mean, the best thing I can say about it is it's a Godzilla movie. Is like totally. It's other than that. It's mostly in English and has a Hollywood budget. It's totally a Godzilla movie in the sense of most of the in the sense of the Japanese Godzilla movies. Which I do think that is a pretty big statement, considering the epic, epic failure that was the nineteen ninety eight Godzilla movie. The fact that this that this two thousand fourteen Godzilla movie is actually a Godzilla movie. Says a oh, lot wait. for it. The 98 Godzilla movie had John Renault, who is the one French actor I like. That's what wasn't bad about it. Matthew Broderick had a couple funny lines. Uh, there, and But yeah, it was a... But enough about that now. We're talking about the yeah. current Godzilla. Yeah. But the current it was, Godzilla. And I, I see some of the monsters' influence in this movie because honestly, it's going to take you a while to get to the monsters. It does take a while. Uh, it, it's a build-up. It's a build-up. They're... Uh, the movie is a slow burn. It is. Boy, I, it, here's how I felt about the movie. I really loved the movie. Um, I felt about the movie... You, you know how when I described Pacific Rim, and I, you're going to hear me compare this movie to Pacific Rim a lot. It's In a lot of ways, it's hard not to. It's, it's hard not to compare the two movies. They're two American-made, giant things fighting movies. So That owe a lot to some kind of Japanese counterpart. So I'm going to end up comparing them. But Pacific Rim left me breathless in a way that made me feel a little bit like I needed a cigarette. You know, left me that kind of satisfied. This movie was more akin to that feeling you get when you go outside and you just scream your lungs out just really, really loud and long. When you're done, you feel a little breathless. Uh, your, Your throat feels a little raw. You're you're pretty revved up and excited from that. You're also feeling a little bit of a release from getting all of that out. But, so it's a good feeling, but it's not quite a, it's not quite a oh yeah feeling. It's more like an oh yeah feeling, if that makes any sense to anybody but me, which I hope it does. Uh, the other thing that I will say about this movie is when I was watching it, I kind of felt it was a little bit like when I go for a run. You know, I it it, it had a moment where it, where it was clearly stretching at the beginning. You know, it was doing little warm-up exercises. And then it went, and it went too fast. It went really hard, really fast, and then it ran out of steam and ran out of breath and had to stop and catch his breath for a little while. Then it started back at a more normal pace, and then it started to build up that pace. It was still tired from having run out too far at the beginning. But then 
eventually, it got its second win, and it finished really strong and really fast and really amazing. Oh my gosh, awesome! And that's how I run. I should mention I'm not actually a very good runner. I just like doing it. <laughs> but it, it does have a, like most Godzilla movies, it does have a human plot. There is. I love the human plot. <laughs> there's a human plot. You know, and somehow every Godzilla movie has a human plot. Most of the movie actually revolves around the human plot. And I've actually seen a Godzilla movie with a human plot that has less to do with Godzilla. I think that's one of the so, ones you showed me. But it does. Like, there's one involving bank robbers. I don't. It doesn't. Yeah, really there's matter. one where uh, there's one Godzilla. There's one of the old school Godzilla movies where, like, literally, the plot has nothing to do with Godzilla, and then Godzilla just kind of happens like it's something that's happening unto the story. There's actually something like a B-plot dealing with the humans that have something to do with Godzilla, but the A-plot has nothing to do with Godzilla. This one at least is involved. Uh, Yeah, this one. This plot is, in fact, very involved with with Godzilla and what's going on with Godzilla. I mean, you know, it starts a little bit in the past. You've got, you know, they, they find us skeleton and there's a which is I think implied to be a Godzilla skeleton it's just not Godzilla I'm not sure that it is implied it may have implied itself to be a Godzilla but I think it Well I I say that because the, the assistant went is it him and the and Ken Watanabe as Dr. Sarazawa is like no it's too old yeah. yeah Well one of the things they do mention and I think this is actually like a shout out to to Mothra and maybe some of the other giant monsters that Godzilla has fought in Godzilla movies past, that, you know, there's not just Godzilla. Godzilla is just the one they've been dealing with the most for the longest, but there are other giant monsters that all fed on this radiation back in the day. Which could have been a thing. Probably isn't, but it could have been <laughs> One of the things this movie starts with, and I was not as... I. I enjoyed the movie pretty well, but I was not nearly as hot on it as Doug or Kevin. But one of the things this movie starts off with, which I thought was really interesting, was that it felt... It starts off with a really strong conspiracy vibe. Yeah. Um, You start off with the opening credits are a bunch of old-timey footage. And from what I understand, they actually got a lot of the kind of old-timey cameras to actually... Yeah, they shot some of that themselves, and they were using really old film cameras. Yeah. Of, of like old like bomb tests and things and shots of Godzilla swimming in the water and and nuclear bombs yeah. going off. Like and the Godzilla were, things were new. Some of the bomb footage was archived, but it was an interesting little mix. And while they were doing it, they were throwing the cast, and they had really really neat sounding text, but they would redact it so fast you couldn't actually read it except for the actual parts that were important. Yeah, I, I was really trying and I couldn't do it. Um, it did as I was leaving the theater, I did. It did leave me with the thought that I wanted to buy the DVD so I could pause it and look and see what that was. And no joke, today when Kevin came over, he said the same exact thing before yeah. I even had a chance to. Although apparently people on the internet have it posted. They, I don't know if they, they were... They figured it out or they got it the the, the script or whatever. I would like to pretend they watched the film that many times till they got it, but probably just somebody recorded it on their phone camera and... <laughs> But, and you start off with thing, and originally there is, you know, your, the, the main, the, the starting main character, as it works. There's a few people that they really, the show movie follows. And he is, you know, it's really about this dad and his son. It's Walter the, White. 
dad was the dad I, from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> Godzilla versus Meth. Drugs are bad. Brian Cranston, everyone, <laughs> yeah. who um, speaks Japanese okay. <laughs> who starts? Well, yeah. they, they they show off. Like this movie does do a pretty good job of acknowledging the Japanese heritage of Godzilla. So they start in Japan. He's some kind of engineer in a nuclear power plant or the safety supervisor. It's a little unclear. He has a PhD in nuclear physics. We know that. Well, <laughs> and he drives a Subaru. Mm-hmm. His fun- son's name is Ford. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and stuff happens, and it's a little catac- cataclysmic, which leaves the son and father traumatized... The father realized that something's gone wrong that no one's willing to admit to is trying to find the truth. I think if your conspiracy theory movie would be like the interquel in that time jump, I think that would be where your conspiracy theory movie would be that you kind well, of wanted. You know, th- there's this problem that happens at the nuclear power plant that the dad works at, and afterwards, you know, they they just leave it as, and there was just an accident that went down. The dad is sitting there trying to say... No, there was. It wasn't just an accident. Something was going on, and even his own son, who by now has grown up and and is getting ready to be the protagonist of our movie, uh, even he is sitting there going, "Gosh, Dad, you're you're crazy. There is no government cover-up conspiracy theory, and maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Maybe there's Godzilla." Well. Yeah, find out that there is some things, and it really, you know, it's it starts off, for me, it starts off really strong. Yeah. Um, and that there could be a lot, there could be a lot of intrigue going on along with this Godzilla film. And then it kind of drops. And I think part of the problem is that Ford's dad ends up having way more emotions and felt like way more of a completed character than Ford ever does. Well... Brian Cranston is a great actor. Even if like, he was in the Total Recall remake, but we forgive well, him. Like he, he really is a good actor. He really is a very expressive and emotion like and an actor that you could really identify with his emotions when he's portraying a character. That's part of why he was so compelling as Walter White. Uh, or and even when he back when he was doing Malcolm in the Middle, he was such a sympathetic like yeah, TV dad because. Brian Cranston is a damn solid actor. Yeah, because of his range of emotions. So it's not really that surprising to me that, you know, we immediately identify with him. Maybe a little bit better than we identify with Ford. Ford, who is our roided up kick-ass. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he... It's the guy who played Kick-Ass. Aaron Taylor Johnson. name I can't remember. Aaron Taylor Johnson. But he really buffed up for the role. He's supposed to be, like, a Navy lieutenant. He's an EOD. You know, he's... Uh, Which stands for uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Well, yeah. But some part of my brain legitimately was thinking, yeah, everyone knows that. But no, no, they don't. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know it. I know that that they kept saying it. They kept referencing that in the movie, that that's what he did, is he disposes of... I forget not everyone knows military acronyms. (laughs) Well, these things are important as one of the, you know, illusions, you know, in this particular Godzilla film is, you know, in the original 60s, a lot of it was nuclear testing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, correct me if I'm wrong, but Godzilla was sort of a thing that was woken up by nuclear testing. Oh, yeah. It, it, admittedly, in the original film, they were a little vague, but yes, he was 
generally accepted to be something that was either awakened or created by atomic testing that we were doing in the the ocean and like especially like around bikini atoll and and the general you know thing with this one is honestly dealing with stuff like radioactive waste yeah mm-hmm. you know back then the big thing was that there was atomic power the thing is now is dealing with atomic power yeah and so that's sort of where this Godzilla film comes from. And I feel that part was particularly strong. Like, I honestly am completely down with all the Godzilla-ness of this film. Yeah. It's just... Like, Godzilla has had a long history of kind of being a little bit of a commentary about atomic energy. Yeah, Godzilla is atomic power in, well, not human form, but in giant lizard form. He is the nuclear bomb walking around. Like, mm-hmm. and he has been a, a commentary, and he's been a commentary on that, and also a commentary on Western influence in Japan, also a commentary on Western excess in general. Uh, so, which means that some of the crazy theories I have about this movie's social commentary are perfectly valid, but I'll save them for the spoiler section. Of course, sometimes Godzilla is just a commentary for would it be cool to see a giant monster punch something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's sometimes that too. Believe me, there's, especially in the late 60s, early 70s, sometimes it's just about monsters punching monsters. <laughs> Kevin's just sitting there going, I assure you, Doug, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes Godzilla is metaphorical of punching things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, but I, I did think that you could make a metaphoric interpretation from this, this movie. And I'll get into my particular uh, Honestly, I might agree with you. Maybe as much as maybe since the original Godzilla has there really been maybe a metaphor to it. But Yeah. But I think the biggest issue is that this movie plays everything extremely seriously, extremely straight. There's not much hokiness or camp I, I to go along in this film. I'm thinking of taking my niece to go see it. But at the same time, she's about three years old. She handles movie theaters very, very well. I'm thinking about taking her to go see it. I hesitate a little because there are some scenes that can be pretty scary. There's some scenes where Godzilla is screaming at the, the scene, and I can see how that would be very frightening to a three-year-old. But at the same time, she really likes scary things. So if I maybe if I put it in the phrase of this is a and, scary well, movie... And okay, maybe it's just me, but I, I kind of, I think a lot of people kind of feel about Godzilla like they feel about the Hulk. He's big and he wrecks things, but he's cool. Oh, he is. <laughs> oh man, when when they finally get around to showing Godzilla, and that is the thing. The movie, there are teasers of Godzilla even within the movie. You, you were. Well, my thing was more to complain about this more, rar, that it plays it very straight, and it's not good enough to warrant how serious it is. Oh. Like, the human stuff is just not interesting. Like, you know, Ford, the actor does not... He's very much like a, you know, audience participation camera piece. Like, his job is to kind of just move to plot point to plot point for us. Well, they spend a large chunk of the movie him just trying to get home to his wife and kids. Which, ironically... Which, ironically... Takes him along the exact same yeah, path the just, monster action He just is. happens to consistently be going to the next spot where the monster's showing up. Like, well, that's oh, that's actually one of my problems is the wife and kid. 
Um, <laughs> well, especially the wife. Like there was points, but they could have really shown her to be like this proactive. Like she's um, she's a nurse. Yeah. You know, she they could have shown her like doing like actively like trying to save people, doing this, doing that. Instead, they usually have her crying, going, "Please come home." Yeah. Like they could have shown her being like this. One of the movies things does really well is that there are occasionally times where it'll go to um, random normal people in the midst of Godzilla and monster craziness. Yes. And how are they reacting? And usually they all react actually pretty well, pretty smartly. Like, but she doesn't. Well, there's only so... Well, I'm I'm kind of glossing over your comment of, well, she doesn't, more to just go, there's only so much you can really do when a giant lizard-like monster is suddenly screaming and stomping around your city. There's really only so much. As most people do take the most prudent action that you can do in that scenario. And there's really just not much. That's fine. <laughs> but if they're going to take the time to show me this other character... That's true. That's she true. needs to... Honestly, be interesting and more than just a please save me button. Maybe yeah. she'll be better as the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> and her husband in this movie as Quicksilver. Let's not read into that. <laughs> and, like, you know, the military, they do military things. And even, honestly, the military is actually, as militaries go, is actually pretty reasonable. Well, yeah, they got well. two things. It's pretty Navy heavy, which is great. I'm ex-Navy. Um, I love the Navy. Mostly because the Navy has not gotten a lot of film presence recently. And they they did have a little trouble trying to make them look good while being helpless to stop the monsters. <laughs> but they tried. <laughs> I, I think they did a pretty good job. Like, you know, they are helpless to stop the monster. That is one of the thing one of the predominating things of Godzilla movies that they're they're you, trying. You can send them to the military, but it's not gonna work. <laughs> and then there was uh, Sarazala, Dr. Sarazala. Like, he was... I know what they were trying for. Uh, when we get into spoilers, there's something I gotta say about him. There's a lot of things we gotta say in spoilers. <laughs> like, I, I feel like he felt like a character that if they had went for a more campy route, he would have worked really, really well for that. Yeah, he he's but, actually a case I, I kind of thought where... You know, you complimented them. You complimented the movie on really knowing its Japanese roots. He's a case where I actually felt like they. It's like just like I'm agreeing with what you're saying. You know, if they had gone just a little bit campier, he would have fit in better as being the kind of campy reference to the roots. But aside from the beginning of the movie, he starts to get campier than the rest of the movie is. Yeah, he needed an eye patch. Yeah, but he needed an eye patch to be Doctor Sarazawa. Yeah, but I'll. I'm actually still wondering if he might turn out to be the one from the original Godzilla film, Son, or something. <laughs> that would be I cool. I think they established he had no kids, but that's beside the point. This is its own continuity. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake, once you get to the actual Godzilla bits, I was completely down. It was I, I really felt he looked really good on the screen. I actually liked the look of him a lot. I think he looks... Yeah, he he looks, you know, he I, looks modernized in a way that's not stupid. I actually have to agree with one small point from the internet and from what the Japanese commentators have had to say about the way American Godzilla looks. He was kind of fat. 
He was a little fat. I like to think of it as muscle. <laughs> now, admittedly, 300-something-odd-foot-tall monster probably cannot mathematically exist. But somehow I thought the bulkier look... You know, like he looked like he had muscle. He I, moved deliberately. Like I it looked he just like looked he was a little fat. I, I I think it looked like a shape that looked like it existed better in the real world. Now, admittedly, and when I was when I've seen previews on it, mm-hmm. like when I saw previews on TV and everything, they didn't really show a lot of the a lot of like the angles where he looked kind of fat. But he he in the movie you did get to see. Things where he's just looking like he's maybe got a little bit of a double chin going on. He does have kind of rounder feet than Godzilla usually has. Yeah. And I've been told he has gills, but I never spotted them. His neck was really broad. Yeah, he supposedly has gills in there somewhere, but I never spotted them. <laughs> um, and fans were mixed on that, apparently. But <laughs> but I don't know, I like the way he moved. It was kind of like a bear. Oh, <laughs> Like what? very ponderous and, you know... Oh, what were you saying, Kevin, about... Uh, about the, like Godzilla had very soulful eyes. Like yeah. whenever they yeah, very. There's a couple times they really focus in on his face, and his eyes are a little smaller than Godzilla's usually are. But he had very kind eyes. Like and, and you were saying something about the face capture. Oh yeah, or... because okay, uh, Andy Serkis of Gollum fame. He w- is credited along with some other Weta Workshop people, but he is credited as the motion capture director. And then there's two other names under there as motion capture actors. So you assume that's okay, who's doing the monster. But apparently, for all the face shots, the close-up face shots, they got Andy Serkis to come in and do Godzilla's, motion capture Godzilla's facial expressions. So, you know, Andy Serkis is King Kong and Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) At least close enough for me. (laughs) But he was really expressive for... A giant screaming monster. And I keep mentioning that he's a screaming monster because, like, you know, he makes that Godzilla Godzilla, sound. They got the right Godzilla sound. I don't think anyone can argue that point. He sounds like Godzilla. And the movie really, like, I guess the theater didn't have it turned up so loud that it was hurting our ears or anything, but the movie did a very good job of conveying how that roar just radiated and vibrated the world around it. I know, I did a really, I felt it did a really good job of making me go, like, whenever they would show Godzilla. Yeah. And partly it's because it take a long time to ever really show you Godzilla. Like, the movie kind of goes like, you want to see Godzilla? Yeah, I know you came to see Godzilla. He's like, oh, look, did you see, see, see? no, no. No, you see no. a little bit. Oh, that's some fins. That's some spines it, above the water. It almost <laughs> acts like it's gonna pull a clover field on you, where it's not gonna really show you the monster, except for maybe one small scene late in the movie. And that's not entirely true. But the scenes are significantly longer, so you do really get to see Godzilla. And a lot of times, they'll actually show you bits of Godzilla, like on like t- other people's TV sets and things, and yeah. watching other people. And I thought that was a really neat idea. I really like the whole concept of... I actually kind of wish they would have used more of that within the film. Yeah. Of letting me see stuff going on, but maybe not from the actual perspective of seeing it. I I think they could have done... If they had to do such a boring human plot, (laughs) if they could have just, you know, interspersed it more like... And again, I think the basis of a good plot was there. Yeah. They just didn't go far enough with it. 
Like I think they had well, you know, they had a good foundation. They just didn't build on it quite. I do, right. and I hope I'm not putting words in her mouth. But my mom enjoyed the human plot when we. I, I, we, I saw it with you guys, yeah, and I later I, saw it with my mom. I enjoyed the human And I think too. because she is a woman who had a husband in the military, I think she really relates and had a young son at the time. You know, I, I think she really relates to that concept. And I think she got way more invested in the human characters than you did, and she really enjoyed the human plot. I, well... You you talk about the human plot, and it's it sounds almost like you're talking exclusively about the guy and his wife, and but part of the human plot, the thing that I thought was so 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 interesting was the science plot that was going <laughs> on at the same time, like because once again, the biology was not too far off. Like it wasn't it wasn't as it wasn't as good as maybe some other monster movies have been, but. It was still well for the kind good. of city stomping scale monster movie. It was damn good biology. Uh, yeah, like uh, you know, uh, for one thing, they are correct that uh, that the world that like you know the dinosaurs lived in was actually a much more radioactive Earth than what we are currently I'm living honestly in. Honestly, thinking they were shooting more pre camp, not pre uh, Permian era. Yeah, they, I think, they probably is what they were, were implying. Yeah, and it was really radioactive then, but um, yeah. not a lot of rept- reptiles back then. More amphibians. But well, Godzilla has gills. <laughs> we don't know what his deal is anymore. Yeah. But he defies classification. But all all the same, like it, it really was more radioactive. The idea that anything is consuming radioactivity as their primary food source is still a little. Is still a little weird, but... But we need it for the plot to work. <laughs> but we need it for giant monsters rampaging around, so I can dismiss it. <laughs> Radioactive spider bite. Just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but no, like, in the structure of Godzilla, like, I was I was kind of laughing, going, ah, oh, he was fat. But, you know, like, he did have these bigger, round, more round legs, and like you were mentioning about how he moved so deliberately, he Like, he, he would moved. need to. He moved, mm. like, uh, he really did move, like, you would think a really... Giant yeah. creature would need to move. He like he looked was, like he was inhabiting the space he was drawn in. Yeah, like he was. He looked like he had weight. Like he definitely mm. looked thick enough to support himself. Yeah, when he moved, he looked like he weighed as much as he looked. Yeah, you know it, there was there was effort in the muscles and the body, and just I it's the most Godzilla's ever looked like a real thing in a city ever. Yeah, and so I, I do think I was pretty satisfied with that. And I, I was also pretty satisfied and interested, like, in, you know, kind of the, the, the plot that was going on with the scientists, where the scientists were like, you know, we've made this discovery and we've been researching this for years, and and now we're, laying, we're, we're giving way to the military that's coming in, but we're telling them all this stuff that we've been looking into and we're slowly dealing out because we don't know how much they're going to take away from us. And I thought that was all really interesting. Yeah, I guess I kind of like the interactions with like Navy Guy and Dr. Sarazawa. And, and but the more on French that than spoilers. Yeah, or French, uh, English assistant, random English assistant lady. <laughs> well, tell you what, again... I think we do say you should go see this movie. Oh, you should definitely go see this movie. Pause. Um, go see this movie. <laughs> I think especially... You know how much we loved Pacific Rim. 
You know how much we love Pacific Rim. Because I think we've talked about how much we love Pacific Rim at least once in every podcast since the Pacific Rim podcast. Probably. But if you, the listener, like liked Pacific Rim, I definitely think that you should check out Godzilla. Basil kind of disagrees with me on my feeling that I, I feel like I feel like they're in the same vein; they just spec differently. Like no, I I feel they're two they're they're attacking things completely differently. Yeah. Like Pacific Rim was event going for camp. Yeah. Like it was definitely going for more well or more pulp, like more like you know they were looking for a little more out there, high action. It was a bit more. In your face. Yeah. Like, you know, whereas Godzilla's trying to be a more ponderous, more honestly, slightly more philosophical film. Mm-hmm. Like, and I... I just don't think it hits the notes early once to. But I feel that overall, like, the effort is worth looking into. And I think now that they've got, you know, their setups there, I really, I'm really looking forward to what they do with Zilla. Sequel. At heart, they're really about giant things fighting. And as someone who likes giant things fighting, <laughs> I enjoyed both films. I immensely. have <laughs> never been disappointed with a mecha battle just r- randomly happening in the middle of something. So a movie where that's the whole point really pleases me, even if there are no mecha involved and they're just giant things fighting. I don't know. One felt, I would say around to me is, was, since felt like an actual fighting game. Whereas Godzilla's trying to be like a survival horror game. Yeah. yeah. Like, there are, like, I do feel that while they both feature giant monsters, mm-hmm. they're two different, they're, they're aiming for two different genres. Okay, I can agree to that, but that's part of what I think I was meaning when they, they spec differently, so go see Godzilla and decide for yourself which one you like better, but I have a feeling that you'll like both. That's... If you enjoy Pacific Rim, I recommend checking out Godzilla immensely. I I think they're very important. I think both films are very important to the future of Good giant movies. things beating things movies like the the whether they're tearing down buildings or I think it's very important your young, well-behaved in theater children see both of these films. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know about three-year-olds, maybe more like six-year-olds. Well, like, I, I, I actually posted on Facebook, in fact, the almost, uh, well, I don't know if I remember the exact phrase, but something to the effect of, even though it does have some mo- moments that might be very frightening to small children, I think it's very important that children get to see Godzilla, well, I, Godzilla movie. You know, I just wonder <laughs> if I put it in context of, hey, I'm going to take you to see this scary movie, if I put it in context like that, if she'll like it. And not be as scared by it because now she's expecting the scary. Well, how often does she see? Ah, well, that's 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 a whole that's a whole thing. I think all children clearly her mother would have to would have to give the okay signal first, like before anything. Because a small child like Godzilla and Ultraman were my heroes, and maybe Speed Racer, but. uh, (laughs) But on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. With spoilers.
right, folks. Spoilers. Charlie just sent me another text from Momocon. The hot knife of my vengeance will cut through the butter of Awesomecast, then spread upon the yeast roll of justice. Justice is delicious. I still love you all, though. Does wow, he have that... a thrush infection? Wow. I mean, he's talking about yeast in his mouth. Does he yeah. have a thrush infection? Um, I guess you'll need to ask him at Hamacon. I don't know. Like, but did, did he acquire candidia in his mouth? If he had just gotten, but if he had just gotten a Hulk Hogan and a Skronk in there, it would have totally been an Ultimate Warrior speech. <laughs> and so that's the highest praise I can give. <laughs> so there you go. Well, so what about this Godzilla movie? Godzilla spoiler alert! Godzilla isn't the only giant monster in the movie. Spoiler alert! Because the trailers totally try to avoid this concept. He's basically the good guy. Kinda, <laughs> sorta, as much as he can be. This hey, <laughs> this is about the most benevolent Godzilla I've seen. In yeah, a like there were several times as I was watching this movie in the theater, I sat there, I leaned over to you, and I was like, "It's a good thing Godzilla's on our side." And then I thought about it for a little while, and I added on, "Sorta." Well, he's he's. Kind of on our side, in that he really doesn't care if we live or die. I think... Hence why he's destroying our city, you know. It's a good thing Godzilla's on our side, I say, as he breaks off a skyscraper and uses it to beat the other thing. He never did that. (laughs) No, but... (laughs) He should have. He did do something, like, I think at one point he did do, like, Godzilla did do, like, a roundhouse kick, and it actually looked cool. It wasn't look like... Hokey. Oh, he like he like tail lashed. Yeah, he tail lashed. He and knocked like the giant monster that he was fighting into a building. You know, but this is a pretty benign Godzilla. He like dived under a ship. He could easily have plowed through. Yeah, like you do see Godzilla on several occasions making some small effort to avoid destroying human civilization. He still just kind of blunders through buildings, but I mean, he's he's. Not, well, heck, even the one time the Navy kind of freaks out and starts shooting at him, the worst thing happens, he pops out of the water and stumbles through the Golden Brigade Bridge. Yeah, that's actually what I would think would be the scariest movie for a kid seeing it. Uh, The scariest scene that I would think a kid would have is actually the scene where it's showing you a a, a bus filled with kids, and the bus is is trying to take these kids away from the town to safety, and they've just gotten into, like, a traffic jam on the Golden Gate Bridge, and Godzilla shows up, and the Navy panics, start shooting him. I mean, I even, there's Godzilla, even a guy who's like, hold your fire, hold your fire, and Godzilla, like, bumps right under a ship, and somebody freaks out, and they're suddenly, they're all shooting. And Godzilla even comes up out of the water just the right time to block some missiles that were heading at the school buses. Yeah. So... Godzilla totally saves those kids. Yeah. And but, the bus driver. But there is a moment <laughs> where Godzilla turns around, and he just... And he just howls like right in the face of all the of all the kids on that bus, and the kids start screaming. And I would think that would be the scariest scene in the movie to anybody watching it who wasn't totally enthralled in the awesomeness of it. Look, he's he's the good guy. Yeah, he's weirdly enough the good guy here. Thing is, there's a there's. Other monsters. Yeah. There's actually two other There's monsters. There's two other monsters, a There's... male and a female. And they're kind of insectoid. Yeah. They're, 
there's somewhere between insectoid and reptilian. That's a little weird. They've got I, more than four limbs, <laughs> and one has wings. <laughs> well, again, this is actually where I want to compliment the biology. You know, the female is the bigger between the male and the, like the male and the female, and the male has wings so that he can fly to where the female is. Uh, you know, they they do the sub they do the subsonic, you know mating cry to each other that's pretty cool uh one of the things i noticed is, is that for being tall lanky monsters the way they actually had their feet curved so that the way that they landed and walked around uh actually did make sense for weight support for supporting that giant thing because uh, one of the things like when you have like a giant beetle one of the reasons that beetles aren't as big as they uh, aren't aren't any bigger than they are is because a beetle would be crushed under the weight of its own exoskeleton. And most insects don't have lungs. Yeah. <laughs> so so the fact that they did, they did you know, think around and come up with a structure that would be more conducive for this thing to actually walk around, and yet it still looks pretty insect-like, I actually thought was really cool. Yeah, so like, you know, how the, 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 the male... Brings the nuclear bomb to the female, and they kind of nuzzle and like they they like basically make it their nest lining. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like that was adorable. Like their one little nuzzle moment was way too adorable for hideous creatures. But, uh, <laughs> well, okay, so so the Japanese professor who's been studying these things for so long, for years and years, and and his life's research has been researching these these things. You know, they they keep they're they're talking they keep talking to them and they're trying to figure out if their plan of launching a nuclear missile at these things that eat nuclear energy is gonna work or not. And uh and uh you know, he keeps saying things like, you know, I think that there must be somebody that I, I think that nature has a balance to it and that there is a force that will bring balance back to nature, and I believe that he, referring to Godzilla, is that force. I'm not saying Godzilla's gonna walk in the town and solve your monster problem for you, <laughs> but I'm totally telling you Godzilla will solve your monster problem for you. Well, well, the thing that, the thing that got me is the more he kept saying that kind of thing, the more he kept talking about it, uh, the more he kept going, let them fight. I really started to disbelieve that he thought that would actually be a solution to the problem, and the more I started to think that he himself, the character that was present in the movie as this, these world events were going on, just really wanted to see those two <laughs> giant monsters just have at it. Like, I think he just wanted to see Godzilla fight something. Oh yeah, and what about the couple minutes? It was suddenly Tokyo Jungle. Oh yeah, I, I, I had fun with that. I love that. Uh, but I actually liked. I actually liked because what in the beginning destroys the nuclear power plant was the male creature in I guess its larval form. Yeah, it was not. Godzilla. Which you never get to see, to the best of my knowledge, as I recall. But it, it cocoons itself in the center of the reactor, and this place is actually not radioactive like it should be because it's eating the radiation. Yeah, that's the conspiracy. That's what they're covering up. They're covering up the big giant monster that has made a cocoon out of the nuclear Which, power plant. I think about it, you could probably see on Google Maps. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a ah, damn brain. Well, that's part of the conspiracy. It's, it's it's not showing up on Google Maps. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But there is this moment where they go I'll, into the quarantine zone. 
and there's no actual radiation. So you've got buildings with overgrown plants and like just random dogs running around. Yeah. And it was Tokyo. So that's apparently where Tokyo Jungle takes place. Yeah, it was. All, <laughs> it was. It was something like a Tokyo Jungle. That was pretty cool. Uh, but unfortunately, the said monster uncocoons itself, and that's just the start of their problems. Oh, and Godzilla's kind of like the honey badger. <laughs> kinda. He's kind of like the honey badger. Godzilla just don't care. Like, Godzilla will show up, fight some monsters, because this is basically the plot of the movie. The plot of the movie is basically this. So there are these two giant, moth-like, reptile-like monsters that have somehow been uncovered because of the Chilean miner fiasco or something. Uh, the Philippines. Yeah, the Philippine mine fiasco. Because it was apparently the nearest nuclear power plant was a straight line to Japan. Yes. So... <laughs> so so these two things have been unleashed onto the world. And so there's two giant monsters. And they're seeing a mating call talking to each other. One is in, New- one is in like, Nevada of the United yeah. States. The other is in Japan. And they're talking across the world to each other. And Godzilla gets wind of this. And he hears about their plan. And he doesn't like this. He's the giant motherfucking monster. <laughs> And so he shows up, and he wrecks their shit. He just kicks the living daylights out of the two of them. two young kids trying to make their way in their world, have a family, and then Godzilla comes in and wrecks it. He just just wrecks their shit. He just doesn't care. He just takes what he wants, and what he wants is to beat the crap out of them. And then when he's done, he takes a nap, and he gets up, and he... Shoves off, go back to the sea. Like, it just doesn't give me. Spoilers, it ends like nearly every Godzilla movie, and Godzilla waves off into the ocean with one last howl and swims away till they need him for the sequel. <laughs> like, it's incredible. Like, because they, they, they make several illusions that he's, that he's like, they're, like, he's the natural predator of these other two monsters. Um, and so there's some, um, you know, idea that he's going to consume them. He doesn't, he just kills them. He just kills them. He doesn't eat them or anything. Apparently he's just extremely territorial. And the planet is his territory. (laughs) Well, this, it it really, this movie is trying to make a lot of, it's trying to deal with a lot of dad stuff. Yeah, it is. Like, it it, it really is. You you start off with with Ford's dad. Yeah. You know, and and losing the mom. And then them both dealing with losing the mom. It's, It's the dad and the son. Yeah. And the dad's sure about this conspiracy, and the son is just like, whatever, dad. Oh, spoiler, the mom dies. Um, Pretty quickly. <laughs> and, you know, and then he deals with it, and then finally they realize there is a conspiracy, it's all true, his dad was totally right. Yep. Then suddenly, you know, his dad dies. Yep, spoiler, dad dies too. Yeah, so most... Godzilla is not defeated by math. Um, Which is uh, one way people love this. They sort of expect, you know, Ford to fill in for his dead shoes, and he just can't. Yeah, he's like, I never listened to any of his crazy I thought it was crazy crap. I never listened to any of it. Because he's not a scientist, he's a military grunt guy. I remember something about echolocation. Does that help you guys? Yes. But that's about all the help he gave to science. (laughs) Then you've got the Mudos, the the, the Benemy monsters, where it is a, you know, again, Ford also himself is a dad, you know, with, with his own kid. Mm-hmm. And then you also got the Mudos, you know, where it's the father trying to get to the wife and kids. Yeah. Or to have the kids so they can survive. But then you've got big, the biggest daddy of them all, which is Godzilla. And he did pretty much go, what? Uh, fuckers. 
And then, you, you know... goddamn kids, get off of my lawn! Godzilla's lawn, planet Earth. <laughs> and so, again, I felt with, like, the human substory, like, they had, they had a whole lot to work with. Yeah. And they just didn't use it well enough for me, because, again, it was a very serious Yeah, it was a very Storyline. And again, if they played it more, uh, Sarazawa, more like, no, they should let him just fight. Like, you know, just... <laughs> like he, he was a little out of place in his campiness, like... Yeah. Which I don't know if it was intentional or not. Like, I honestly don't know if that character just wanted them to fight, or if that's just <laughs> something I'm placing onto him. But it's definitely think, something that was coming off. I think he wanted them to fight, and in a weird sort of way... He's almost the inversion of the Dr. Sarazawa from the original film. And that, that in the original film, he's desperately trying to think of a way to get rid of Godzilla. Yeah. And he does come up with like a one-shot, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't plan. And it does work. But spoilers for like a 50-year-old movie. Um, 60-year-old <laughs> movie, I think, at this point. Um, well, that does make sense because, again, then the big threat was... The existence of nuclear yeah. stuff. Yeah. This film is dealing with the yeah. disposal or dealing yeah. with nuclear this stuff. This Dr. Sarazawa is just kind of enthralled with Godzilla. Like, well, the, the majesty of the creature. Because I don't think he realized that you can kill it. You just have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and again, so, you know, the Mudos, they, of course, they, again, they eat radioactive yeah. waste. And you can't they, kill Godzilla. You know, Ford is a bomb disposal yeah. guy. Like, I don't, know like if the, I don't know if the nuke would have killed the Mudos, but it wouldn't have killed Godzilla. I've seen him tank a black hole. Yeah. You can't kill Godzilla. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> uh, the entire... Like... I, I, I really thought that that was, like, if the military made any sort of mistake in that movie, it was... I don't... I really don't understand why they even thought that would work. Now... In theory, in a real world governed by real physical laws, with a modern nuclear warhead, nothing material should be able to exist the explosion in the initial sphere of reaction. That should just annihilate any matter we can conceive of. But, and maybe even that would have worked. But what I don't know is how they thought these creatures, which feed off radioactivity, and they even were planning to use the radioactivity to lure them, how they didn't think... It would just find up, find your bomb, and go, oh, that's a nice bomb you have there, and fly off with it, which is exactly what it did. That's exactly what happened. Where then they had an armed nuclear bomb with a timer that they had no way to shut off. Yeah, they retrofitted the nuclear bomb. Because, well, okay, you haven't seen the movie for some reason, because you didn't go see it when we told you. Um, the Mudos, the other monsters, they create, they emit electromagnetic pulses. Mm-hmm. And they just create a field that screws up electronic devices. So you can't do a regular electronic detonator, which I probably doesn't really work that way because radiation would screw up things too. I bet they're really heavily shielded. But anyways, they have to make a clockwork detonator that they have to... They, they Someone sets up a timer on it right before the monster shows up and steals it. And so there is a get the bomb and disarm it plot going on near yeah. the end of the film. As Godzilla shows up and fights the monster. Which he ends up not doing. Like, for a guy whose big thing is I can dispose of dispose of bombs, they never let him actually dispose of a bomb ever. Yeah. Well, he kind of does. Not he the way... puts he... it on a boat and sends it out to the water before it goes off. 
But even then, he doesn't actually get to actually do that. He gets on the boat and then collapses. He doesn't even get the, really, the boat really started. Hey, he totally yeah. programmed that GPS. That's <laughs> <laughs> totally the way boat autopilots work. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, even the nuclear bomb thing, I have some serious physics problem. Well, not physics problem, but just like nuclear bombs are delicate. Yeah. And it's not the kind of delicate, like, oh, you handle it wrong, it explodes. It's the kind of delicate that if it gets a little banged up, it's not going to detonate. It's not going to detonate, and it's going to leak radiation. I mean, they're, they're in a, they're, those, the detonator on a nuclear bomb is a very delicate setup. Yeah. And if it's not set up just right to implode that, to implode just right to set off the explosion, like, if it just skews a little wrong on one way, it, it just won't go off. Yeah. I guess the problem is that overall, except for like the see- one, the one of the scenes where they let Ford actually be a hero, which was in the train, so we get to save the, the kid. And he yeah. totally kills all the baby like, monsters. That was, oh, that is yeah. true. Okay, you're right. Like, right about the time I'm thinking, dude, you got to do something about those eggs. He turns around and decides to do something about those eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but a lot of the time, they that people that should be heroic. Sometimes we're kind of bystanders. We're kind of bystanders, and then the bystanders got to be heroic, which was cool. I just would have, like, you know, I understand that the Navy had yeah. to be, you know, incompetent. Yeah. Well, you know, they, or, they weren't, they weren't really even all that incompetent. incompetent, except for the whole bridge thing, and I totally blame the Navy for that. That's why the Golden Bridge got wrecked. It's not Godzilla's fault. He was just, you know, like, dude, stop shooting at me. Oh, like, fuck, that was a bridge. I like, you know, the plucky, you know, bus driver. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it did suck for the movie that the bus driver had way more charisma to him than Ford ever did. Um, you just not like Ford. <laughs> and, well, you know, even the Navy guy didn't have that much charisma to him. Yeah, that's um, just because they're Navy. Um, what? And, you know, I like the daughter, yo, telling her dad, hey, we gotta do something. And he's, he listens to her and carries her away. And, yeah. you know, there's... You know, plenty of normal people got to do cool things in this, but like you know, for they're like Ford's like, yeah, I can, I can, you know, shut this thing off and this blah 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 and this and that. And he never does it. <laughs> you know, the wife could have had awesome moments. She really doesn't. Like honestly, from yeah. a real way bombs work standpoint, the best thing they might have done is do the whole fire thing and left that bomb in there. It would have wrecked the bomb <laughs> and killed all the eggs. <laughs> Now you would have radiation in the city. You'd have to clean that up later. Yeah. But it would have probably been more sure than trying to get it to a boat and out into the ocean and hope it didn't blow up, like, under the bridge. Uh, So is it time for my theory? Go for it. Okay. So this is my theory on what the real commentary, like, the metaphysical commentary that Godzilla was making was. It's very important that you realize that this is the American Godzilla. That's why he was fat. He was fat because Americans are overweight. And Godzilla wasn't just America. Godzilla was the heart of America. Godzilla was the heart of America. Godzilla was, you know, Godzilla's old at this point. Like, he's, he's what? He's been around since the 40s, so he's like, <laughs> he's, he's like, six, he's like 60, uh, 60, 70 years old. Like, you know, he's he's gotten a little older. He's gotten his metabolism slowed down. He's put on a little weight, but you know, he can he can still give the what forward. He is still willing to fight to protect America. <laughs> and then you have the Mudos, these two monsters, and I think they represent 
the far east coast and the far west coast. Because notice, that's also where they were. One was hidden in Nevada on the east coast, which would be the east coast of the Pacific. Um. <laughs> okay, ignore that. Ignore the location thing. I thought you had something about the two perfect appearing. Yeah, cats. that's the thing. The Mudos were the Mudos were these like really long were these really like long slender creatures. They had you know they were big and powerful. One even had wings. But you know they're these long slender creatures. You know, on these stilted, on these stilted-looking legs, clearly representing the unattainable ideal of attraction that you know Hollywood and New York are both trying to indoctrinate into Americans' minds. That's just not working out, and they are basically everything that is uh, phony and fake about America. Everything that's all the glitz and glamour. You know, again, why ones in Nevada and ones all the way like, and ones all the way in. in Japan, where a lot of Americans are idealizing at the moment. So, and they show up, and they're just, and they're trying to be these beautiful, elegant things, but they're really just parasites. They're really just parasites that are toxic to the environment and the world around them, and we've just got to have the heartland, Godzilla, to come wreck them. And just just beat the crap out of them, so that we can get back to what we really are, Godzilla. That's, I don't know if that's the metaphor of the movie, but that that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what you didn't see was the hand over heart, yeah. you know, looking to a flag that's not there. No, it makes total sense. Uh, this is the American Godzilla. That's why he's put on a few pounds. Although, since we are in the spoilers, there is the most super-duper, mega-super-special, ultra-cosmic, awesome spoiler that can only be said in the spoiler section. What's that, Kevin? Godzilla has atomic fire breath. Oh, yes! Oh, man, that was so cool. The warm-up to it was just right. It was just right. Yeah. I have heard some people, Paul Chapman, say that it was not crazy big enough but again I think this is going for this more quote unquote realistic <laughs> as realistic as anything with atomic fire right. can ever be <laughs> well I also like to I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this is something that, that means they can ramp up yeah Movie after now, movie. He just atomic fire breath like right into the face of the female mood. Now classic Godzilla I, I swear the atomic fire breath was probably a fire extinguisher. It was just like more of a cloud. Yeah. That then you tried to fake the little models melting, and it was cool. It was black and white. It actually works way better than it should in black and white. And it has evolved over time. Admittedly, in the more later Godzilla films from Japan, it really starts resembling more of like a beam cannon that yeah. just shoots out of Godzilla's mouth, like, you know, Macross gun time. <laughs> And shit dies, you <laughs> yeah. know. And especially, and it actually sometimes varies in intensity. But I think, I think they're really good. I, I love how you just start. You see a little bit of a blue glow, and you don't really know where it's coming from at first. And then you see that it's Godzilla's tail, and you see the little spines lighting up the tail as it goes up towards the head, and you know, neck. And, then, was, uh, and it, then if you're sitting next to Kevin in the theater, you hear, "Oh hell yes!" Yeah, like it was. <laughs> Like the oh hell yes came came about like uh, when it was about halfway like it had just gotten over his back haunches like it was it wasn't quite halfway up his back yet but it was just kind of off his haunches when you're like oh hell yes and 
That's when I knew what it was. <laughs> and then just, you know, beam of blue fire, and the monster's like, ah, blue fire! And it's, you know... I, so, it's really per- it's this really perfect scene where it gives you just enough time to go, what's that? And then you realize what that is. And then you get excited going, oh yes, that thing! And then that thing happens and you are very satisfied. <gasps> and it definitely was the, you know, the big save up for the big, kind of, it's kind of the big finishing move. And then he actually does get to use it as the big finishing move. Mm-hmm. Like it's... In the very end. Um, it's not like... It's just, it doesn't break out the fire breath right away. It wants to kind of big for near the end of the film. But. Like, I'm not really sure that Godzilla was on our side. I think Godzilla just wanted to beat up some other monsters. Like, um, I, I think he was just behaving like a territorial animal. The original God- director really of Godzilla... And he really just didn't care about... The original director of the original Godzilla... Really felt in several of the early Godzilla films. Really felt Godzilla was a force of nature. He was not particularly against humanity or for us. He just came through. Yeah, <laughs> and that gets represented in some of the older Godzilla movie plot lines, where you know, as we were talking earlier, the storyline A has nothing to do with Godzilla, and then Godzilla happens. Yeah. And well, as I, I, I do not generally like to reference, well, who am I kidding? I do sometimes, but I don't really like to reference TV tropes. But I do have an entry called The Godzilla Threshold. <laughs> and that is the point <laughs> I in don't your think sto- I've ever looked up that one. That's what the is point that one? in your story where any resolution, no matter how extreme, such as Godzilla comes out of the ocean into your city, is looked on as a welcome thing. <laughs> <laughs> like... Godzilla is a giant city-destroying monster, you know. <laughs> You'd much, you, you know, if, sure, if he just walks into your city, he'll wreck your city. But if he walks into your city and there's another monster there, he's oh. going to wreck that monster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your city was already destroyed. <laughs> just accept your city is fucked, you can rebuild. <laughs> well, this movie does do a good job of showing the wake of all yeah. these monsters fighting. Like, like, it does do a really good job of showing stuff. It also did a really good job of the way it shot everything was kind of like, you know, looking up at the monsters. Mm-hmm. So you were at the feeling that you were kind of, you were you were looking up at the monsters when they were fighting. Like, it did a really good job of, I felt, of scale. Yes. Of that I could really believe these are, these are gigantic monsters duking it out in a city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, so take a break, then come back with Awesomes Out of Awesomes. Yeah, I think so. I think it's time. Awesome Out of Awesomes. Alright, be right back. This is the Awesome Cast. And we're back. Welcome back. So... Godzilla Master. Hmm. Do you want to finish this or do you want to start it? I will finish this. Okay. Then I'll go ahead and get us started. I'm going to give this three radioactive monsters of awesome. I will give it a... I really want it to be better. I mean, it was pretty good. Like, I enjoyed it. I think I'm coming off more negative than I'm actually feeling for this review, it talk, conversation, what have you. But the Godzilla part's really good. 
and the human parts had a lot of really good that could happen in them. I really want to see a sequel. Okay. I really want to see a sequel out of awesome. I will give it one terrarium labeled Mothra that I hope is a hint to the sequel out of awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, and with that... And I will finish this with a que- with a comment from a one sauerkraut or Eldridge Engines. Uh, he's one of the chainsaw guys. Dylan mentioned, you know, you should ask him about how soulless it is or something. And he then the guy did respond. I'm just saying it was a fancy empty shell of a movie, technically brilliant but a chore to sit through. I don't think it was soulless. I don't think I it was a chore to sit soulless. through. I sat through it twice. <laughs> um. I, I think it was. I think he's. I think he found. Well, I found it a little bit boring mm-hmm. at times. I think he found it really boring at times. You see, but, I, I never found it boring at all. Yeah, I mean, I. I liked the human plot okay. Like, it's not the best human plot I've ever seen, but I liked it. But my, my more point is, I got. I felt this Godzilla movie did have a soul. It was there. It was good. Could have been better. But. Just because, you know, I'm one, I was hoping for something, oh my god, amazing. And I only got pretty good, possibly even really good, depending on who you are. Well, I think one thing that this movie did, this movie really did succeed in, is if you think, like, the Godzilla movies really are kind of the classics of their genre. They've almost arguably made their own genre. Technically, well, they're... Godzilla is technically the J- Japan trying to do their own version of the Beast from 20,000 Phantoms, which actually predates... Yeah. Fathoms, rather. Which actually predates Godzilla, but not by much. But Godzilla really defined the genre. Yeah. So, those movies really are are great, but if you're like most American audiences and you're never really going to see a Godzilla movie, I think this is this is a good one. Like, I think this fills in a gap, whereas a lot of people may not know a lot about Godzilla. This is actually explaining a lot about Godzilla. Yeah. This is actually going to, I think, be more successful in making Godzilla familiar to people, and it covers a lot of the bases that it needs to cover. And I'm happy counting this amongst the grand pantheon of Godzilla movies. Yeah. I am, and I enjoyed it. I'm not saying once I get the video, I might not just skip to where the monsters come in, at least once or twice. But I'm also going to watch the full movie all the way through. Yeah, I definitely want to own this. And I kind of do too. So I think that, you know... I'm secretly hoping for a director's cut with more monster footage. But, who knows. But, with that, go see it. Buy it whenever it comes out. We're the Oscars. Thanks for listening. And we're out. <laughs>